box, 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 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the eleventh and oh, Shion, did you lose Shion? Or is he still on for you, Karun? No, he's gone. He's he's back now though. Shion, get a little excited there. Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought we were done talking already. That's an H&M <laughs> Wi-Fi, huh? Shot only showed up for the box box. <laughs> oh, my eyes are watering so much. Um, should we just restart? Yeah, sure. I don't right, quite understand your countdown. You like so, so so. Okay, when I do this, we start and then team team team. Okay, and then when it's done, make it real. Done. Okay, yeah. yeah. Box 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 box. Box. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 11th edition of Box, Box, Box. I'm your host, Tarush, joined by my favorite two gentlemen, Shion and Karun. What up? They were going to be debriefing the Zanvoort Electric Grand Prix, as well as giving our thoughts on the silly season currently going on. And looking forward to Monza uh, and giving some classic hot takes. So without further ado, we've seen quite the movement in, in the transfer market so far. We've seen Valtteri finally get announced, Alfa Romeo, assumingly as the Kimi replacement, their number one driver. And we've seen George finally become official as Mercedes' second driver. Any surprises here, gentlemen? The only person that surprised is you. You thought Botas was going to stay. I, I did say that. That was like a month ago now. Pulling out the receipts. <laughs> look, look, they've had they've had four very successful years with Valtteri as their second driver. Consistently won the constructors' cup. He also has not crashed into Lewis, which is a big plus. He didn't really mm-hmm. challenge him for the title. So I thought, you know, if he if he delivers again this year, which as of right now, Mercedes is ahead. He is relatively delivering. Finally gets on the podium again in Zandvoort. I, I could have seen it, but you know what? We've seen the, the, the performances George has been putting in, in that at Williams and fully, fully deserves this opportunity. A hundred percent. And I yeah. full kudos. I think it's a really hard decision to make. Valtteri is delivering everything that the second driver at Mercedes is supposed to deliver. I think it's a, I think it was a very tough decision. It definitely was not an easy decision for Mercedes. Um, and, you know, Botas is driving well. He's doing what Mercedes needs and, but George, on the other hand, is driving out of his mind. So in my opinion, they're just trying to develop the next generation of, of racer. And I think they want George to get a lot of seat time next to, to Lewis and learn from Lewis. I think also more than that um, is the new regs. So like, you're, you're going to have to have whoever's in that car next year for at least another year after that to actually get a good read on them. And investing two more years into Valtteri and making... George wait another two years, just like I don't think it was feasible at this stage in George's career, especially this year where he's just putting up results and really extracting the max mm-hmm. out of that Williams. Getting on the first row when when Valtteri can't. Yeah. He's Rain. been exceptional. He's been exceptional. And Valtteri was looking for that multi-year deal, right? That was never yeah. going to come his way from Mercedes. If anything, he was going to get a one-year, but quite frankly, like you mentioned, with the regulation changes, a one-year deal doesn't really make sense. So mm-hmm. get George in that car, get George up to speed. You know, he's the one who's going to battle out the next five years with the Ferraris and with Charles and Carlos and Max. Red Bulls, yep. So, so it's exciting. I, I am also pleased for Valtteri that he's still on the grid. Uh, I do still rate him as a driver, but 
But who is taking that second seat at Alfa Romeo? I gotta say I that I a lot personally, but that's what you say, Calamilo. Yeah, okay. I, I just from like the few F two races I've seen, I just like I just like him. And like in his interviews, he seems like a cool guy, but I don't actually like have a preference if I'm being honest from like the F two guys. Do you think they've made a decision, or do you think Giovinazzi's performances currently will help him earn that seat again? This last race might help him, but... <laughs> a P7 is, is pretty good. Um, but, you know, similarly, I think the same thing as Karun. I think Callum, especially just seeing his interviews, his post-race interviews, um, I think he yeah. just has, like, such great IQ, and it just, like, seems like a great driver to add to the grid. I think it'll spice it up, add some new, fresh blood to the to the grid, so... So Callum is my bid for, uh, I, for Alpha. I mean, I don't know if you guys like. What is Alpha Romeo's financial situation like? Does that matter? Well, Ferrari guys say in the second seat. Yeah. As well as Callum Ilot has recently put pen to paper with a deal with IndyCar team, mm-hmm. not oh. for next season, but he's going to feature this year. So I think he's already evaluating his options outside of the world of Formula One. So. I think the second seat is a toss-up between Giovinazzi and uh, Nick DeVries or uh, Tio Porcher, I believe, is a big Alfa Romeo investment as a youngster, Ferrari-backed youngster. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have some other Alpine youngsters or, who are doing extremely well, like uh, Guang Yuzhou and... Uh, and there's one other name in F2. I can't. The the, the currently the leader of the of uh, F2. Anyone know his name? Nope. I'll look him up. Uh, uh so he, the, yeah, it, it's a tough one. To me, I do. I don't see Oscar Piastri. Yes. I I don't see a reason why Giovinazzi has kind of lost that seat, but they might go with someone different into the new regulation changes. Sure. Shion. Yeah, going you know, with, I'm going with Callum. I, I haven't been following F2 too closely this year, so I'm kind of going based off of my uh, my knowledge of F2 from last year. Um, so, yeah. Well, there's two open seats. So, quick word on the second Williams seat. Any any thoughts? I think I think, I think it's locked and loaded. I think, yeah. I think Alex Albon's a done deal, which I am be. very excited for. He's been roaming around the uh, the paddock uh, every weekend, and I am so excited to see him back. I think it's a great opportunity for him also because it gives him a team that allows him to kind of build a little bit, not have so much pressure on him. Um, kind of see, you know, how the George effect essentially, where you get it, we get there, you refine, your, you get some experience in Formula One, you start to understand like your strengths as a driver, um, and then kind of build on that. Completely agree, and a little, little spice the story. Alex Albon's girlfriend. Uh, started following Williams F1 racing team on Twitter. Oh, oh, you're really getting down. (laughs) (laughs) No, I heard it on an F1 Nation podcast. Ah, sure, sure, sure. (laughs) Which you were featured in recently. Yes, that was very, very exciting. (laughs) That the people know. I just threw in a question, uh, asked Damon question, who, who, uh, who they, who's their ideal commentary duo but I think they're so ingrained with the sport. They couldn't see beyond Murray Walker, which of course we never really experienced. Sure, but yeah. I still, I do think Martin Brundle is the goat. They also did roast you a little bit. Definitely, definitely, naturally. <laughs> uh, final words, Alpha Tauri kept both their drivers, Pierre and Yuki for another season. Any thoughts on, I heard another interesting point that, you know, Gasly to 
Williams would have kind of released some of that pressure being a Red Bull youngster, like you were just touched upon, Cheyenne. Mm -hmm. You thought that that might be – could you see Gasly making a move like that? Uh, I'm not sure that I could. I think that he's developing well, and while the Red Bull architecture hasn't really treated him that well, I think it gives him a very competitive car, and I think that it's a team that he's been building around for the past two years, a team that has gone through the ups and downs with him. So I think more so uh, he's comfortable with the AlphaTauri group um, and has that platform to kind of keep developing, keep building until he gets picked up by a – by one of the top tiers. I mean, like, how much longer is that Daniel Rick seat going to be open at McLaren or full at McLaren, right? Very true. Well, well, two more seasons. He, he, he penned well, for your deal. Yeah. Alas, silly season continues. We hope to hear the news of Alex Albon soon, sooner than later. But onto the weekend of Zandvoort, a very interesting tactical and flat out weekend i i greatly enjoyed all parts of it just briefly what were your favorite parts of uh, of the weekend favorite one of the favorite parts of the weekend for sure was alonzo going around the outside and uh, on lap one i think it just showed his uh his race craft and his ability to kind of stay calm in that opening lap where you know a lot of chaos can ensue um, so yeah that one, that's for me I think it was really cool to see like a track where like a lot of like the drama really came from like not necessarily on track driver driver battles, but like more like the strategy game where like oh like there might be clear air here like let's let's bring him in early like stuff like that really made it very cool to see like the different strategies play out because there was definitely I think like three kind of like general strategies being played out like the two stopper. Um, kind of what Perez and Lando were doing with like the really long stint um, where Perez had pit at the beginning too, but it, um, like the long one and then cutting through the field at the end. Um, it was just really cool to see like the strategies really like, drive the action. Mm -hmm. For me, it would have to be the, the Dutch atmosphere. Uh, in the end, the Sunday wasn't incredible one to write home about, but apparently the you can only tell so much from TV, but everyone who went there just kept saying like, wow, this is one of the best Grand Prix ever. So, so we, we must uh, add Zandvoort to our, our list of, uh, of Grand Prix to go to. It is also by a beach, which there's definitely a, does make it more enticing. There's a great clip from Fernando Alonso where he's finishing his final lap. Um, and on the team radio, he's just seeing, you know, he's just seeing orange everywhere. So he's like, oh, it seems like Max must have won. Mm -hmm. I just can't imagine that, you know, it's just, it's crazy the amount of orange that was out there. So it's, it's definitely an experience. Definitely. Stars, stars of qualifying. Who, who stood out for you, for you guys? Gasly for me personally. Um, I think he's been like, like while he is not as consistent as Lando, I think he should definitely still be praised for how much he's getting out of this Alpha Tower this year. I went back and looked and he, he scored in all but three races. Um, which is, which I think is pretty impressive considering where, like, I would say before the season started, I would have put the Alpha Tower in like mm -hmm. instructor rankings, at least in my head. And like the fact that he is like pretty consistently putting the car up in like the top six quality. And obviously it's on some tracks, he can't hold his position. This was a track where he was able to defend really well, just because like, like we talked about overtaking was near impossible. So we normally know. see Lando in that in that solo race, but this time it was very much Pierre. And yeah, yeah it's a very solid performance, definitely. Not only in the race, but 
banging qualifying. He's one of those Mr. Saturday guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just consistently is finding pace in that car. You know, unfortunately, his teammate keeps getting knocked out in, in Q1, Q2, but they could be vying more strongly against the, the you know, Aston Martins and uh, Alpines than, than what they are. Sure. Um, another thing that I thought, okay, what could have been the peak of qualifying for me was uh, when Williams was able to make sure, take a once over of the car, make sure George's car was okay after he spun out. And I thought he was going to go back instead of blistering lap, get into Q3 again. Unfortunate that uh, young Nicky had to crash there. But uh, outside of that, I think my, my uh, the highlight was uh, the Italian Jesus, um, Antonio Giovanossi. He, um, it's crazy Antonio. how much Antonio. It's crazy how much the track develops throughout qualifying, I think, is what stood out the most to me. It's, it seems like uh, uh, between each of the heats, you maybe get out three times, three, maybe four times um, in, in one heat of qualifying, and the track just keeps developing. And it's really, it really is those, those last couple minutes of each heat um, where you can get in that, uh, that blistering lap. So uh, I would, basically kudos to, to Antonio and also Alpha for uh, figuring out when to get him out there and giving him the best platform to, to get P7. Definitely, definitely. That was also a good point about George. Um, very, very heartwarming. Um, you know, the only the only real other point I had was that, and it kind of transitions into the race as well, is that we had one Red Bull versus two Mercedes. You know, what happened with Checo, uh, you know, there was obviously a team error, but it, he seems to be falling a little bit out of um, form with that Red Bull compared to some of his earlier performances around the, the fourth to the mm. seventh race of the season. Is there any reason to be concerned? I don't I mean, know. It's... Says not to be, but um, right. You just resign. But like, I like he's like the standard deviations are all over the place. Like he is so all over the place that it's just, and I think he really struggles on Saturdays. Because that's where, you know, like, it doesn't come down to, like, tire management or anything. It's, like, a flat-out pace. And I still think he hasn't figured out how to get it out in some of, like, these trickier tracks. Because, like, I, I do think Zandvoort's it's, like, a bit harder to figure out, like, where to take each corner, right? Because there's so many. And the banking makes it hard as well. And, like, I just don't – I think he needs a lot of data and a lot of time to, like, extract the car, extract the maximum out of the car in situations like this especially. I think that's very accurate. I think he is currently in a car that on a Sunday you can see him get a lot out of, and that's where you're seeing him pass a lot, right? You're seeing him being one of the drivers that passes the most. I still think the car's potential is higher than than Checo's potential. And I think he's starting to get there, but that's what's evident on Saturdays. Is essentially he can't reach the max potential of the car, but he can use maybe 70 80% of the Red Bull's potential on a Sunday to do a lot of overtaking and get the car in a decent position if he doesn't have a, a tough Saturday or if he, you know, doesn't have yeah. some situation that makes him start at the back. Yeah, and he, on the Sunday, you know, if he didn't have flat spot those hards trying to overtake Mazepin, mm-hmm. he, he could have been uh, top six instead of Fernando Alonso. Sure. But yeah. He is a great overtaker and a great tire manager. We know that. If he just puts it together on a Saturday, we'll have – We'll continue to have an amazing battle between the Mercedes and Red Bull. Um, as it was, Mercedes were not able to really stick anything with strategy against Max. You know, they they tried to undercut Lewis. Max covered up the next lap. They tried to go along with Valtteri. Max got by him in like three laps. 
Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, that wasn't working. Bad tires, though. Like, I don't really know how much you can put on Valtteri there. Is that because of tire deck of the circuit? Do you think the if it was vice versa, you think Lewis would have held him back a bit longer? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's fair to like compare Valtteri on like what a pretty long first stint on a t- on a track that like I forget what the commentator says. I think it really punishes your front left. I want to say maybe front right. I might have a mix up, but like, um, like I didn't really expect him to hold him for more than like two laps, three laps, especially with the pace that that Red Bull was able to get. In, in my opinion, like, the critical mistake that came from Mercedes was the slow pit stop for Hamilton at the start. Because if he, because he was so close there, you know what I mean? He was, he actually yeah. stuck in DMS for, I think, at least a lap or two. Dude, and also, one second. You got to think about it. Also, he was within two to three seconds on average, probably let's say three seconds of, uh, of max the whole race. Um, them Red Bull being able to t- to pit the lap afterwards and take advantage of that one second longer at that three and a half second whatever it was pit stop of Mercedes, uh, just took that opportunity away. Took the opportunity of the undercut away because we saw that Lewis was on a heater when he was he made up so much time uh, in that pit stop like when with the new tires. Um, so yeah, it could have been a. I think Mercedes pulled out every card that they could have. Um, got a little bit unlucky though. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even the second pit stop where they were like, oh, let's get him into clear air. Yep. Just didn't pan out. Danny Rick just put too fast of a lap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a shame because it was still a fast pit stop, but it, it was yeah. a second too slow. It was 3.6. You know, Max, obviously, the Red Bull guys are always doing something sub 2.5. And in the end, that's maybe what made the difference. Um, but I just expected a little bit more from Mercedes to try and use Bottas and and Lewis, and it just didn't really click this race. Like, unlike uh, other races, Hungara Ring, where Spain, where, where where Lewis has been able to leverage strategy, and, and it almost turned to comedy by the end of it, where, where Valtteri nearly took the uh, fastest lap away from Lewis. Dude, I think he, he was close. I don't know why they pulled him in on lap 69 or whatever it was. They should have pulled him in on the lap right before the – that would have given him one fastest lap, essentially, one chance of fastest lap. Because if they had pulled him in a lap later, then Lewis wouldn't have had the space to be able to, to, to pit and then put in a fastest lap. He would have been third. Um, so I think it was uh, – I don't know. It was an interesting decision on Mercedes on that part. They probably just didn't need to pit Valtteri again and just let Lewis have it. <laughs> It's fair, but that's, you know, I think it comes down to team orders at that point. The politics. It does, and, and for someone that we know is not part of Mercedes next year, you know, that's that's a massive sign of respect. Valtteri knows he's not in the championship, but to, to give it, to, to, to still lift in the third sector, to give fastest lap back to Lewis, who had to earn it again, mm-hmm. uh, it shows what a wonderful team player he is because yeah. he knows he's not there next year. But he wants the legacy to continue. And so for someone who's beaten him three years, four years in a row, it, it can't be fun, but it, it, it truly shows what a wonderful guy he is. Absolutely. I think Lewis's uh, post to kind of commemorate working with Valtteri was great. It's, uh, I was glad to see something like that. And Lewis, you know, before that has had uh, – it's tough to say, but drivers who are more competitive than Valtteri in the same car – Sure. Nico Rosberg used to push him right to the end, including beating him one year. Mm-hmm. You know, as a rookie, he came out against Fernando Alonso, tied mm-hmm. on points in the first year, I think, and then was a 
a couple points ahead. Jensen Button, another one. The only other one who didn't compete with him was Heike Kovalainen. So it's 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 very understandable. It, Bottas was probably the best scenario for for Lewis and yeah, for uh, Mercedes. Exactly, Mercedes and Lewis. But it'll be interesting to see how George changes that dynamic with his youngster raw pace next year. Here's one one thing that I can say about Botas, if I can go on for one more second. Of course. It's that, um, you know, I think Max and Lewis are clearly on in and on a different playing field. Like they are getting the most out of their car every single day. They're they're performing at a different level. Um, I think everyone else is considered in my head the best of the rest. And in that best of the rest, where yes, Valtteri may not be competing with Lewis, Valtteri is doing the best that he can and consistently beating the rest of the field um so you know while we have two legends in the making well two legends already um valtteri i think is one of is a very solid is a great driver that uh it's just in a time where there's two two grits it's just like uh you know andy roddick amongst federer and nadal i think the i think the issue that people have with that argument though is that nico rosberg did it why can't he well, he right. was a great. Like, Nico Rosberg was incredible. I think that he was definitely more skilled than, than Valtteri was. And don't remember, Mercedes brought in Valtteri maybe knowing Valtteri yeah. was amazing yeah. at Williams before, but they couldn't really have another Nico Lewis sure. situation, yeah. especially because in 2017-2018, Seb was competitive initially with the Ferrari. So they yeah. really couldn't afford that situation to repeat itself and, and, and team orders to go out the door. Fernando yeah. Alonso's first lap, speaking of Lewis's ex-teammates, uh, the mm-hmm. round-the-outside banking. Um, oh, it's just a privilege to see his first lap. So I, I mentioned it to you guys, but I'm probably just going to watch his, his onboards on my phone on F1 TV during the race starts. Because think about this race start at Silverstone, qual- a qualifying race. He made up like seven spots in mm-hmm. five corners or something. He's just awesome. He just knows where to place the car. And I think it was interesting to me because on that first bank turn, um, whereas every single person in qualifying was going up onto the uh, the paint, um, almost every car went as shallow as they possibly could in that corner. And he was the one person that went around the edge, around the outside. Um, and he gained two positions on that one corner. So just having that, you know, piece, that, that strength of mind, basically just that resolve to be like, yup, this I know is the fastest corner. I'm not going to do what, um, you know, I'm seeing the other people gravitate towards was was a sign of maturity. I also think that he, he has so much experience and I actually don't know his entire career, like off the top of my head, but I feel like he's in a car where he's comfortable taking risks, like unnecessary risks. Not unnecessary, but like more risk than he would if he was in a car. Like, um, where, where was he competing with? Lewis at? I'm assuming the Merck, but um, McLaren. Mm-hmm. McLaren, yeah. So like, right, that was like a really good car back when he was in it. So like, I just feel like he's way more comfortable taking on risk, and that's why he's able to do these crazy things in the first lap because he is just doing something that's like other people would be like, I don't know if it's worth the risk of me. Well, I think his awareness is through the roof. I don't I don't think it's a difference in risk taking because he wants to help the Alpine do as well as if he would be in a leading car when trying to win the championship. I think he just knows where he is in this career and he knows he trusts his skills. So he knows he has the ability to get away with these things because he will outbreak other people. He will have the awareness to to 
to stop and not crash into someone. I, I don't think it's that he's taking more risks necessarily than he would when he's a top car. Arguably, he's probably taken less risks uh, minimally. Uh, I never like to think that a, a driver ever assesses a situation like that. They're always going flat out. But I, I, yeah, I, I would disagree with that. I think he's still pushing. Uh, but look at his top years in Renault and McLaren and Ferrari. He was, yeah, arguably taking a few more risks, especially with yeah, the championship I online. I think my point is more around the fact that, like, right, because he's in an Alpine, right, which necessarily isn't going to compete for, like, the top four or five spots, he's just going to take a line that he that not everyone else is going to take, right? He is going off the beaten path by taking some of these lines and, like, going outside and stuff like that, right? Like, I don't know if, like – like, there's a reason why, like, Max and Lewis might not do it, right? Because there's Max or, like, right, they're competing against each other, right? So, like, that makes it a lot harder for them to do something off the beaten path. Because they the have, see an opportunity, wrong. and it's been established in free practice that, like, banking high up could be an advantage. So, you could see one of them sending it. They, they're, like, I actually argue it the other way, that they would try something different from the other one because they want to gain an advantage. And if they lose out trying something different, then that's maybe worth the risk versus just trying exactly what the other person did. And I mean, there's going to be many scenarios where that's good and you have DRS or something and you can get by. But if you are not finding a way by, and I know this is different to a first lap situation, but if they need to try something different, then I see Max and Lewis definitely rolling the dice. I will, I will say this. I think I understand Karun's point uh, maybe not applied to this circuit but I think in terms of generally he's going in a car that allows him to take more risks right he doesn't have the pressure of I need to perform it uh, and and deliver just like Checo has right now so I think that's what Karun's trying to say and that's what I'm understanding from what he's saying which is he has some flexibility to take a little bit of risk and you know it's his first season back after a while I, I'd like to see him take some more risk um, and you know he's in a position that he won't really get penalized and his team won't really get penalized that much. I think he's doing more for um, Alpine right now than they would have ever expected. So uh, he's in a good position. I see what you're saying. I still think that they take risks all the time because they, they're F1 drivers and they're well, never thinking I'm like... No risk. I'm just saying he, he has a larger appetite for it. Like he can have a larger appetite. I don't think any of us who, are going to concede on this one. We're talking about someone who, <laughs> who made up like five places in the first lap this race or four places or something. Uh, End up finishing P6. Kimi's not competing like he did back when he won the World Championship. Alonso has the opportunity to, com to, to race with the grit that he did back in 2005 and 2006 in a car that's not as competitive. We're going to see some greatness out of him. I think that's all we can say about <laughs> we can all agree Fernando Alonso is great and we missed out in years when he was in a top car. Yes, Fernando Alonso is a world champion. Can we all agree on that? You know, I, Drive to Survive <laughs> painted him as kind of the villain of McLaren because he yeah. had so much power and they had to let him go because they couldn't – he had to leave or they had to let him go because they couldn't provide him with a decent car. Mm -hmm. And he was painted like this villain, like, oh, this McLaren is, is a piece of crap. I'm not going to drive it. That's kind of how they portrayed him, but he comes back now after two years to Alpine, uh, an okay car, and I think he's just so great in it. <laughs> Cheers. Fair. Any any other thoughts on on the race itself? Max, a very comfortable win. 
well-executed like race from Red Bull. Yeah. The uh, the only other point that kind of stuck out to me was Checo going on the outside of uh, of Lando or, or Danny. I can't remember which one. But one of the McLaren pulled off some moves um, on they turn one. Do. I mean, that was a that was a brazy move, and I thought that was uh, that shows Checo's peak. His his racecraft is is. So so, who's your driver of the day for Zandvoort's race? My driver of the day. It would have been Checo if he didn't flat spot those hards on lap one. I just was really disappointed in that. Um, driver of the day, man. I enjoyed watching Checo the most, though. I will say, because he was the only one overtaking. But like, it was it was it was fun to watch him cut up the field. It's always fun watching him do that. It's always fun watching anyone do that. Like a fast car at the back of the grid just cut up the field. (laughs) I'm going to go with a boring one and just go Max Verstappen. Didn't put a foot wrong. One in his his first home Grand Prix. Like that must have been so electric. The king and queen were there to greet him and congratulate him. You know, so for me. He's going to become like whatever the equivalent of knights are in the Netherlands. (laughs) Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. I will also say don't discount Pierre and Charles. They kept their yeah. cars up there in fourth and fifth position. Uh, I think they killed it. I think they did a great job. Those three kind of just ran their own little race there. They did, they did. Those two and uh, Carlos. Yeah, and then Fernando got up in there. So Yeah, Let's Carlos complaining about the car afterwards. Couldn't find the pace. Fernando nicked him yeah. right at the end. But love to see the Spaniards battle it out. Exactly. It's so interesting how these guys' careers have, like, emulated each other, basically. You know, Carlos Sainz's race at Renault, where Fernando Alonso won championships, and they're at Ferrari, McLaren. <laughs> They've driven for the same exact teams, basically. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Monza is next up. The Temple of Speed. There we go. <laughs> the Temple of Speed. Flat out for 70% of the track. A legendary track. Honestly, oh my god. Another track we have to go and just support <laughs> the Tifosi so hard. Just going there and being a Ferrari fan must be an out-of-body experience. Well, I want to hear your hottest takes for the Monza weekend. And don't forget, this is one of the uh, race qualifying weekends. Sprint race. Sprint race. Mm. <laughs> race qualify same thing that's not, that's not FIA approved Rush. oh I thought if I qualified <laughs> it with, uh, with qualifying they'd allow it uh, no, box 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 is not uh, FIA approved yet so that's true. <laughs> one day I'll, I'll start uh, I'm saying Lando on the first row okay you think okay. that McLaren has enough flat out speed yeah yeah I do I mean he looked good, especially this past week. I had argue in it. But, but, right. but for when? For the Sunday race or for the sprint quality? I, I was going to say Sunday race after okay. the sprint quality. Because I don't think he's going to be able to qualify. Uh, so you think he's going to overtake a Merck or a Red Bull? Yeah, like he's going to be like three, and then he's going to be able to take one of them. Wow. Okay. Kroon's got that Perry Perry spice coming in, dude. Yeah, I ate some Nando's. Extra hot. <laughs> All right. With the extra extra hot sauce on top. Yeah. I'll uh I'll spice it up a little bit. I got two. One is just a complete joke, um, which is Yuki to crash into Mazapin as he's lapping him. 
I just think it's going to happen. I think he's got the potential. I think he's got the skill. I think he'll take care of it. Um, so that's one. And that could be either, Rich. I don't know which one. Um, but my other hot take was... Someone's going to laugh a horse in the sprint. Fair enough. It's not, it's not a hot take, that one. <laughs> Um, and the other Love one is it. Charles Charles Pohl for the sprint race. I think he's got a uh, the Ferrari's got a lot of straight line speed. I think he's he's got the potential. We've seen it in uh, we've seen it in Monaco. Uh, we've seen Charles have the potential to get that car into a high position. So I think if he keeps if Ferrari plays his cards right, if if it's one of those tracks where there's a lot of track development near the end of qualification and he gets uh, he gets out in clean air, then uh, you know I'd like to see Charles up there. Charles Pohl. Let's hot take Charles for sprint. Pull on Friday or pull for the Sunday race? Pull for the sprint race. Okay, okay, Friday. okay. Yes. Excellent, excellent. Yes. Uh, my first prediction is that Mick Schumacher and Mazepin are going to come to blows in the paddock after the Friday qualifying. Oh, dude, that was one of mine as well. <laughs> after, after, after one of, of one, after, <laughs> after Mazepin blocks uh, Schumacher kind of aggressively, I, I think they, they have a scuffle in the paddock afterwards <laughs> and Gunter has to uh, break them up and it's also low-key I wonder I, w- I would love to see uh to know who Netflix are focusing on this weekend but I would love for it to be Haas um my other prediction and last week I said a Yuki top six so uh unfortunately I was very very wrong I'm gonna go with a Gasly podium a Danny Rick top six. Wow. And 14 finishers of the race. Okay, so that's Danny Rick top six, way more reasonable. <laughs> All right. Um, so that means Yuki's going to crash into Mazepin. Sure. <laughs> hey, if our, if our predictions align and help each other out, I'm good with it. Mick can't start the race because uh, <laughs> uh, Nikki's harem of Russians beat him up too much. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why are they harem? well that's with the oligarchy you know Um, yeah so we're gonna we're gonna bet uh safety car right we're we're long due one i mean from spa being only safety car to no safety car (laughs) in zandvoort which was honestly shocking considering it was like Uh, the first time that most of these drivers have driven it Mm -hmm. um so we're truly do a safety car. We've said Lots before, of though. I also can't find it in DraftKings though anymore. Damn it. Um, I'll check Bovada. Yeah, but we should do some of the head-to-heads. Yes. We, we um, made we made minimal money on our on our Pierre Gasly top six bet. <laughs> Just enough for a couple pieces of gum. I bought a like, Pierre Gasly uh, Hot Wheels car with that money. <laughs> Excellent, um, gentlemen. Yes. Box, box, box. Box, 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 box